Well, hello, and welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor at Light Reading. Hey, I'm Victor Esposito, the chief technology officer with Ritter Communications. Victor, hey, good to good to catch up with you. It's been a while since we had a chance to talk. Yeah, it's and, great to see you, Jeff. I think yeah. uh, last time was uh, at a panel out in uh, SCTE on the uh, Light Reading Breakfast panel. That's right. And you had just, just uh, I can't remember the time, but you were like on your way to Ritter or you had just started. It hadn't been that long, right? Yeah, I think I started at Ritter back in uh, April of this, uh, well, 2023 now. Uh, we're yeah. in 24. Where has the year gone? But uh, yeah, at the last uh, last uh, light reading event, I had just uh, changed roles. I came into Ritter uh, in a transitionary role as the senior vice president of uh, technology and uh, just moved here in November into the uh, CTO role. All right. Well, good. I'm really glad to have a chance to catch up with you because I don't think we've had a chance to really discuss a lot since you moved to the the new role there at uh, Ritter. So um, you know, before we kind of dive into all the a bunch of details, uh, you know, just to kind of help listeners get their bearings, can you provide a little bit of an update on Ritter Communications, you know, the focus of the company, the areas you're serving, the kind of access technologies you're using? Yeah, I didn't know if it was a blend, <laughs> you know, HFC, fiber, I don't know if fixed wireless is in there, but yeah, if you can give us uh, kind of a high level overview, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ritter Ritter's been around for a long time. The company was actually founded by Ernest Ritter back in 1906, kind of getting into the telephone mm-hmm. game. Yeah. But uh, really, in in 2019, uh, we we kind of launched uh, our business focused services, really focused around uh, fiber uh, in the mid south, really connecting over 10,000 small, medium, large business locations, uh, building out that fiber network. And in 2021, we launched a brand new fiber to the home platform called Right Fiber, which uh, has brought you know state-of-the-art fiber access to over 25 markets across that mid-south footprint. We uh, we're going to keep growing that platform, and we hope by the end of the year, give or take, we'll have over 100,000 new homes uh, with five gig service. We, we do have, like you mentioned, Jeff, some, some legacy services. So we have a, an extensive uh, HFC and DOCSIS network that we upgraded uh, in the last couple of years uh, to a fully 3-1 network with a, with a mid-split. And uh, we, are, uh, we launched at that time one gig services, but we are planning to launch some two gig services as we slide our video around uh, this year, which I know we'll, we'll get into later. Yeah. And then... Uh, Lastly, we we definitely have some some copper assets again with those uh, uh, ILEC background, uh, mostly in areas of of Arkansas and uh, Tennessee, and uh, we still service some homes in the extremely rural areas uh, on that copper network as well. Okay, and just to make sure I understand too, so I mean you're serving both, you know, businesses and and residential, I mean the markets. Absolutely, we yeah. we. Um, Kind of entered into both sides with some of the the ILEC and HFC offerings, and mm-hmm. when we we entered the fiber to the home or the fiber to the premise market, uh, I would say we entered a little backwards 
from most other companies where many folks went in with a fiber to the home or a residential mindset. We actually went in with a, an enterprise or a business focus, and then we realized we had all these phenomenal assets out there, and there were a ton of just unserved or underserved folks in our footprint. And so we started Right Fiber uh, in serving those homes with uh, our fiber to the home platform. Okay, and for the uh, we'll get into this later, but for the HFC, um, is there any intention or plans to um, like overlay that with fiber to the prem, or do you think HFC is going to work you for know, you for the most part, or do you like a targeted fiber to the prem sort of thing off the node? Yeah, I think there always could be some targeted opportunities. Yeah, uh, right now though, you know, like many other. Uh, folks in our footprint, we're trying to make uh, our dollars go as far as possible, trying to serve as many new customers as we can, especially on those unserved or underserved areas. And, you know, for a much lower capital investment, we can get two gig and then later uh, five or, you know, even 10 gig down the road with with some upgrade into the, the HFC area. So I think targeted uh, overbuild is always a possibility, especially if there's a business or any key key constituents. But for the most part, we'll look to expand the fiber footprint versus overbuilding our own HFC right now. Okay, great. And let's talk a little bit about you, right? You mentioned um, the, the the transition last year, right? We know when we were talking to you in the past, you know, you were out in Alaska at GCI. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like at Ritter, you have uh, quite a bit of activity going on. But I mean, what was the most attractive uh, thing about Ritter that, uh, uh, or what was most attractive about the uh, the decision to uh, to shift gears and go to Ritter? Yeah, you know, I, I think for many of us in this industry, uh, it's one of the industries that are really hard to get away from. Um, you know, like 20, <laughs> was, 24 years. <laughs> there's a lot of people who say they retire and then it's like yeah, they're uh, still, you know, <laughs> they pop up again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That just means, uh, uh, you know, they're they're financially independent, but still have started a <laughs> consulting company. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I love I love this industry. I love what we do. Uh, I, I love the early days where, you know, we were bringing uh, really cutting edge things, you know, in, in early Doxus to to. Uh, to customers, you know, kind of battling it out on the, on the DSL front. Uh, I love that on both sides of the equation, it just advanced technology so far, so fast, you know, coming from one, five and 10 megabit tiers to, you know, 10, yeah. close to 10 gigabit tiers today. So this industry for me has really been uh, home and, and family and outside of my immediate family, you know, the industry is kind of my second family. So having said that, um, I have a lot of small town roots growing up, you know, small, small towns in California. I actually did a little stint in Alabama, Georgia, and Georgia. And when uh, the opportunity arose at Ritter, uh, you know, what I saw was a, a kind of a perfect match of a company. It's, it's a company, Ritter, Ritter Communications is a company that is, um, has that family feel. Uh, you know, there's a, a right by you pledge that is very much a family oriented, let's do the right thing for our customers. Um, but at the same time, the company is uh, on the forefront, you know, we're, we're pushing uh, 3.1 and, and soon 4.0 and, and XGS fiber to the home, you know, 100,000 homes here in a few years. That you don't see very many companies that are pushing technology, growing at the rate we're growing, and still have that, you know, kind of family feel to it. Uh, so I, I just, everywhere I looked, um, I, I really couldn't 
turn down uh, the, you know, the opportunity <laughs> once it came up. Plus, uh, you know, when I came out for an interview, we went to one of the local restaurants that has this thick cut bacon that just sealed the deal. Uh, <laughs> that was the thing that like pushed it to the edge, you know, you're like, okay, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Well, I think you make a good point because I think in an age of uh, consolidation, um, I think it's, it might be harder and harder to kind of find that sort of uh, culture in the industry. You know, there's a lot of very big uh, corporate uh, companies, like I said, consolidation. Um, yeah, so it was a good fit uh, for you. That's great. Um, and then maybe talk a little bit about the priorities for you. I think uh, you mentioned up front with a fiber build out, uh, you know, where, where that's coming in. Uh, and then also on the HFC side, you mentioned you're, you've got Doxus 3.1 with a high split on there. You referenced, uh, you know, looking at uh, Doxus 4.0. So maybe top priorities and then also expand a little bit on your thoughts about the HFC network. Sure. So our number one priority for us, and, and I would say maybe there's not even a number two just yet, but number one <laughs> is, is definitely expanding our fiber footprint. And we, you know, like I said, the, the, the close to 100,000 homes or the 100,000 homes, you know, we're, we're aiming at uh, is really new new growth you know, surrounding our, our enterprise markets and our, our existing fiber footprint. So that's been really key for us. Um, we, you know, I would say we've pushed that uh, pretty pretty hard and pretty far with a two and five gig launch. Um, I, I think for me, um, the, the two and five gig was in place when I came here. And, and I was glad to see that because, you know, where you can call it a 10 gig product, you really can't get 10 gigs out of, out of our current, you know, current state fiber technologies, unless you move to 25 or 50 gig stuff. Yeah, so you got to have a lot of headroom there to do yeah, that. So I, yeah. 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 So I, I really like the way things were built. Um, and, uh, one of the things, you know, that we're going to be doing, um, and I'll detour here just a little bit, but, well, we, like many others, you know, focused on on providing great speeds. Um, we also realized we had to provide really good Wi-Fi coverage in the home. So we we started going down a few roads, but you know, this year we're also looking to revamp and and kind of double down on on the, the Wi-Fi experience in the home, regardless of whether our customers are on on our cutting edge fiber platform or the HFC platform or even legacy copper. We want to make sure that you know the in-home experience is is top notch. So you know, first priority, like I said, is that that fiber growth, but. Uh, we set ourselves up last year with what we call Project Lightspeed. We we did a, a pretty substantive upgrade to the Doxus network, bringing it up to a three-one mid-split. And while we have gig launch today, uh, we're currently in the process of shuffling some video around. We're going to be launching uh, two gig uh, to our subscribers in the first half of this year. And as soon as uh, you know the the long-awaited and highly desired, you know. 4.0 modems or 3.1 plus <laughs> modems or whatever version of them. 3.1 you know, Ultra, yeah, uh, yeah. boosted 3.1, right? Pick your super pick your label. Yeah. Uh, super. Yeah. As soon as those hit the market, uh, <laughs> we will we will look to those to to maybe get to a five gig offering. Yeah. And um, you know, like I said, it, it's probably down the road, maybe 26 for us, 25, 26 uh, in that time frame, give or take, but then we would look to move to a, a one eight high split type environment. Uh, again, just, I think efficient use of capital and, and the ability to play a really solid 10 gig product, uh, in that upgrade. Okay. And when you're looking at, um, Doxus 4.0, then do you think, um, 
extended spectrum doxis will probably be your game plan versus FDX, or do you think there might be an opportunity for a blend, or uh, or are you still trying to kind of um, you know, figure it's, it's out really, strategically what to do? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, we we actually have done a. a you know, Ritter Communications, we've done a really good job of pushing fiber deeper. In fact, there was some node zero. We, we have a lot of node oh. one, two, three, but but a, quite a bit of node zero was pushed out there. Even having said that, though, you know, the bulk of the demand we're seeing is still asymmetrical in nature. And when I think about those things and, and the, the upgrade path, um, I... If I were making a decision today, I would say it's probably an ESD type deployment. But the good news is, you know, we've got time. So I'm, I'm really eager to watch the other players in the market, deploy some technology, see how things go. Um, you know, for me, there's as much of a product driver as there is there is a technology driver there. And so I'm really waiting to see, uh, you know, what takes off, what the demands are, what, what the competitors are bringing to the market and uh, what makes the most sense. Yeah, it feels like like you have... Like a lot of operators have time to to, to figure that out, right? Because I think three one with a mid split gives you quite a bit of runway, and if you do ultra three one or boosted or extended three one, uh, gives you even more runway. So it, it just feels like yeah, if you wanted to move to one eight, uh, you know you don't have. To, I mean, maybe you can start seeding the plant today, but uh, like on a uh, as you go basis. But it feels like yeah, you don't have to make a decision right away, which I guess is a good place to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, good. I want to talk about video here in a minute, but before that, I want to stick with uh, broadband a little, uh, a little more and sure. talk, talk about, uh, you know, you had mentioned unserved, underserved uh, areas and we're, you know, we're trying to keep an eye on all these network subsidy projects uh, with mm -hmm. Ardoff, you know, the phase one, we'll see what happens with phase two. And, you know, Bede is uh, starting to ramp up a little bit. Um, yeah, I just want to kind of get a sense on where Ritter is um, on those subsidy projects, whether it's uh, Ardoff opportunities with Bede, other types of um, uh, local state programs that uh, you can take advantage of to Number one, extend your network, but also hit hit some of these areas that are underserved or unserved. Yeah, so you know we uh, we are one hundred percent committed to bringing fiber out to you know the underserved, unserved communities, especially in the mid south where where our home is, and we uh, are always looking at what's the best way to do that. Uh, you know, to date, I think we've received over like $70 million in grant funding between Arkansas and Tennessee to connect those communities. Okay. And yeah. and we we partner closely with the state, you know, authorities and in, in all of the states that we we serve. I, I would say when it comes to bead funding, um, you know, you, you probably hear this quite a bit. It's it's challenging, right? Like the rules are kind of being finalized and negotiated as as you go, uh, they vary a little bit from from state to state. Everybody's trying to figure out exactly what the right mix is. Uh, we've we've been we we have been trying to figure out exactly you know how do we work through those. We're in very active discussions with with the state legislatures, you know, in all states where we're looking at those things and trying to determine exactly what makes sense for us and then for you know the residents of of the mid south. So. A lot of work going on there. Uh, there's probably as many questions as there are answers, but um, 
you know, when it comes to the outcome or, you know, what was the point of it all, which was to get um, really broadband into the hands of, you know, every every person in the Mid-South for us, uh, we are eager to do that. And, and I think those grant programs, you know, have gone a long way to assist and, and will continue to do so. Okay, yeah, it feels uh, with there's a lot of TBD going on, particularly with uh, with bead, right? And uh, yeah, so we're just trying to keep keep an eye on that. And I realize, yeah, there there's there are you know uh, more questions than answers right now. And like you said, they kind of vary state to state. Um, there's not like a uniform approach. It feels like. Um, and the one thing um, I uh, meant to ask you a little bit more about, and that is. Uh, uh, fixed wireless, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, we're starting to see it from a competitive standpoint against, uh, you know, traditional cable operators and uh, maybe in some DSL footprint, you know, they're may, there's making some, uh, some headway, but I was wondering if that's in, like maybe even an option for Ritter, um, you know, maybe to extend the plant in some areas where, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's, uh, uh, exorbitantly expensive, you know, to, to get fiber to, um, yeah, I didn't know if that was on the roadmap or something that you're even looking at. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting question because, you know, when we think about it, um, you really got to start with like, well, what are we, what are we trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. And, and if we're trying to make sure folks are connected, you know, especially by current day definition of having something greater than a hundred mag and, and you can only assume those things are, are going to increase, then fixed wireless infrastructure, you know, it it, it gets interesting, right? If if you're in an area of flatland with a lot of visibility, you know, maybe maybe there's some benefit there, but you know, is there really cost savings when compared to just building out connectivity to to each of those subscribers that want to sign up? Um, you know, it might be a different profile if you're, you know, wireless you know, provider and you already have that infrastructure in place. And now you could take advantage of some of that idle, you know, capacity to offer some fixed services out. But, but even those, uh, you know, when, when you think about, well, what's the, what's the long-term and the, the bandwidth you're going to be able to offer versus the demands, you know, we're talking about two and five gig services and going to 10 versus, you know, hundreds of megabits. So yeah. I, I do think, I think it's fantastic because in some cases, you know, in extreme rural areas, you can bring uh, connectivity to folks who don't have anything. Um, but when you talk about like as an alternative to fiber, uh, then it becomes, a, you know, it's an interesting question, right? Um, I, for us, um, you know, we, we look at everything and I will say that there's always a, a use case that says, oh, this makes sense right here. So there's there's never a tool I don't want to own or have available. But in general, when we look at markets, we're looking at, you know, just a fiber expansion and can we make that make sense? Okay. Um, but yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I feel... Um... Yeah, I think uh, we'll keep an eye on that one, too, because it, it does feel like, you know, some kind of look at it, you know, maybe uh, as a, a very limited tool. And, and I think some have looked at it and are kind of rethinking <laughs> whether they they want to continue with it. So uh, very good. Um, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about your video strategy. Um, right. When I was uh, uh, preparing for this, I, you know, I did see that uh, Ritter does have 
a video service. But uh, meanwhile, you know, we do see some operators that are either uh, not as focused or um, indifferent, <laughs> you know, about their own pay TV service and starting to see a lot of that uh, video to third party streaming services, like doing mm -hmm. bundles with uh, some of the SVODs or maybe working with uh, like a YouTube TV or another virtual MVPD. And yep. uh, I guess the benefit down the road, if you collapse all the, the, the old, the quantum infrastructure, you can free up spectrum for broadband services. Um, but where does uh, Ritter fit in, in terms of the video strategy? Uh, I don't, I don't know if your existing one is like a qualm based thing and you're, you're going to IPTV or are you going to, you know, maybe just go to the third party and let them deal with, you know, the, the fun part of uh, content negotiations and, and dealing with all the programming costs and things like that. Yeah. Not to so mention the video infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can tell you a bit about that. I mean, and and to start, you know, we don't just have one video platform; we have three. Um, because, oh, you know, well, one, see, one one's enough. not enough. Okay. <laughs> That's right. How do you have three? Uh, How's that? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, as we rolled out fiber to the home, we we rolled in an IP platform. Okay. And and that platform's you know been been highly functional and is our I would say our growth platform. Uh, and then we happen to have two legacy. Uh, mostly just through different systems and, and where they came in time to legacy qualm qualm based systems now one of those we're actually in the process of shutting down so uh, mid this year we'll have uh, just the IP platform and one legacy qualm system and that's what's gonna allow us to get that two gig uh, product launch in in those markets uh, having said all that uh, I guess I would give you know a couple uh, a couple of thoughts occur for me so one is if um, you know, if we're going to stay in the video business, um, certainly an IP platform is a way to go because you know it's, it's targeted. Uh, it's nobody's developing on on a quantum platform anymore, and it certainly frees up those assets to do something with in in your quantum infrastructure. You know, specifically launch more internet bandwidth, which is you know the the driver. Having said all that. Um, you know, it's it's interesting for us because you know I mentioned the you know the the kind of the, the family mentality, the right by you approach that we have. So we, like many others, have been struggled with like, well, what, what do you do? How do you how do you get out of this platform that is, you know, folks are getting out of on their own and it's declining value. Content costs are skyrocketing. So we are looking at uh, introducing you know some over the top options. And really, the thought there is, um, how do we do the right thing for the customer? Meaning you know, if someone else can provide them a, a, a especially in video, a higher quality, you know, product or more features or more functionality that as a small operator we could offer at a better price point because they can negotiate with those content providers in the way we can't, then maybe we focus on providing really good internet, really good Wi-Fi to those folks, other value add things like, you know, parental controls and, and uh, you know, things you might want to do in the home from firewall or, or whatnot, and make that option available to, to our customers as well. So in the interim, you know, we're going to be getting folks on to, down from three to two platforms, you know, pushing the IP platform as our, our go forward and ultimately consolidate down to the one. But we are watching, you know, our subscribers, the market really closely. Uh, and while we're doing our best to fend off, you know, content hikes, um, uh, you know, things have kind of 
had an inertia there to just downsize in, in legacy video anyway. So we'll keep an eye on it. But um, uh, you know, while I feel we're pretty similar to many others, um, you know, we're trying to have a graceful exit as well, or or I won't even say graceful exit. I'll say <laughs> yeah, really, really just take care of those customers that you know are still relying on that service. Yeah. Interesting. And one quick question on the Qualm side, right? Did So um, with the two different platforms, so did you have a, uh, or do you have like an SA and a Motorola, like like kind of the yeah. old duopoly situation? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. NASRAC and some DNCS items. And, yeah. Uh, yep. Right. Yeah. Now on the SA side, is that being spurred by the whole power key thing? It with, is. Uh, it is. Okay. So yeah. is that the one that's going to be uh, peeled off? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. that was uh, our smallest footprint. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, it, it, no transition's easy because, you know, it's disruptive for our customers. At best, it's, you know, a set top box swap, but we still have to contact yeah. them, you know, arrange for the yeah. new equipment, visit them. Right. So. It's still a, uh, an operational thing you got to, to, to handle. And uh, yeah, I, I assume, yeah, any sort of transition with customers, right, takes a, a special light touch, I guess, or, you know, an understanding. Uh, yeah, you're trying not to um, disrupt things and, yeah, make things as yeah. easy as possible. Yeah. It yeah. is, you know, it is, uh, you know, that being said, it's always opportunity. So anytime we go to a home, you know, I assume like many others, you know, we try to make sure, hey, is, is everything, you know, the way it should be? Are connections tied? Is the home set up the right way? Is there anything they're missing? Can we bring them up to what our current standards are at that time? So always a good opportunity for improvement. But like you say, any any touch is especially driven by us is disruptive at minimum. All right. Okay, and the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, Victor, is uh, mobile and the mobile opportunity, right? Sure. Um, now, of course, we know that uh, broadband is the cornerstone anymore for for um, uh, a lot of operators, you know, uh, these days. But we are continuing to see some others that are adding mobile in mm -hmm. to be part of a you know uh, bundle where it's led by broadband or, you know, you need to be a broadband home broadband customer to get it. Um, where's Ritter's thoughts here with respect to adding mobile to the bundle, right? There is the NCTC agreement out there with AT&T and Reach um, yep. that's available. Um, maybe there's other options, but, uh, you know, kind of given where your priorities are these days, where does uh, mobile stand and what are your thoughts about, you know, adding something like that down the road? Yeah, so mobile for me is something that's really exciting, especially with the NCTC agreements that are on the table or, like you mentioned, other agreements that we might just go work on our own. Yep. Um, we, I, we really appreciate the work that was done by NCTC, but we want to make sure we evaluate that landscape and do the best thing for, for Ritter and, and our customers here. Having said that, um, you know why, why it's interesting to me and why I like it is, you know, like you mentioned, Jeff, um, you know, Internet for us and solid broadband is a primary offering, but uh, I would say, you know, 90 some percent plus of our customers, maybe getting close to 100, probably all have cell phones as well. And, yeah. you know, when you look at that and how can we provide the two services that, you know, are most used by our customers, 
in a way where we can bundle them together, drive their overall cost structures down, provide a, a better experience because you know they can take advantage of the Wi-Fi network and or mobility when they're on even in an MVNO environment. You know, we're really looking at that as an opportunity to provide you know maximum broadband value to to our customers using a, a, a venue and a network that exists that we don't have to go out and build a whole new business. So we really like the idea of it. Uh, obviously, there's you know a lot for us to to investigate, uh, understand um, not only you know the product aspects, but you know the, the the technical aspects, the billing aspects, you know the, the customer care pieces of that. Uh, you know who do you call when something goes wrong? So a lot to do there, but uh, it's something that we're looking at. Uh, specifically this year and um i don't know when you know when we'll we'll take next steps but um i do think it's uh going to be a key part of the portfolio at some point in the future okay well, i look forward to uh hearing more as the year goes on and uh we're staying in touch with you Absolutely. and with her and and what you're doing so uh, i know we covered a lot of ground so i appreciate you uh, taking all my questions but i think that's where we're going to leave it for today and until next time so uh Victor, thanks again for your time. I uh, appreciate the, the opportunity to catch up with you. Absolutely. Great seeing you and talking to you, Jeff. Thank All you. Right. Yep. Take care. Talk to you soon.